The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. Glory to you, O Lord. <clears throat> Jesus said to the disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for your word which challenges and comforts us. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to fall asleep at night. And in fact, the harder it is to fall asleep at night makes it just that much harder to wake up the next morning. I remember in the not-so-distant past waking up on a particular day, feeling very tired and having a lot of things to do and some difficult things to do. I groaned and I rolled over and I prayed to God to help me. I prayed for God to give me strength. I prayed that this burden would be lifted. And after I asked all these things, I paused a moment to listen to what God would say back to me, to hear a word of the Lord to give me comfort and to ease my troubled mind. And this is what I heard. Mortal, get yourself out of bed. Use the two feet I gave you to stand up, go to the kitchen. Use the two arms I gave you to make yourself a cup of coffee. And while you're at it, Make one for your wife, too. And then use that brain I gave you to deal with your problems. This is your portion, and this is your lot. Nobody but you has got to do it. So, that's what I did. In today's gospel, Jesus says that if somebody sins against you, you have to be the one to deal with it. Nobody will do it for you. Go and go to the one and confront them. Who here likes confrontation? <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> Some people don't mind confrontation. Most people want to avoid it. When we avoid confronting someone and we ask maybe someone to do it for us, that's called 
triangulation, and it never goes well. Jesus says very clearly, if you've been hurt, you have to be the one to talk to the one who hurt you. In Ezekiel, our reading this morning, thank you, Debbie, 3311 says that the Lord gets no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel was tempted not to go confront some wicked people, and God basically says, if you don't confront them, and they end up being punished and die, their blood is on your hands. But if you do confront them, and they don't repent, and they have a consequence, then that's on them. So like Ezekiel, we might be tempted to want to avoid our enemies, or even to see them suffer for their consequences from their actions, but this is not the will of God. The verse says, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. How do you get an evil person to turn from their ways? Alone, we cannot. This is why it's only the first step to go and confront someone one-on-one. If they quickly admit their fault, great. Then they're a sensible person, and they're not a wicked person. And that's what happens most of the time, because most people are not wicked, right? Most people are decent. But sometimes we're dealing with a difficult person. And if they don't admit fault, then we go back and we take a witness, one or two people with us. That's step two. And if that doesn't go anywhere, then you reach out to the church for help. The point being that some wicked people will only do the right thing if they are shown and convinced that they are outnumbered by a well-organized fellowship of people. That is why wicked people make it their business to divide and conquer, to sow dissension. If they can get mostly decent people to mistrust and turn on one another, then they're enabled to keep doing their misdeeds. It's for this reason, in my personal opinion, that we actually, as a country, I don't actually think we're that divided. We're told that there's this supposed division that exists through our country. I think that's fake. It's a fiction, and the purpose of the fiction is to keep us from talking to each other about important issues, to keep us from finding a common ground that we all share, because if we do that, then the wicked are held accountable. We have to find common ground. We have to have shared goals. We have to talk to one another about important issues. There was this really influential theologian who was Lutheran by the name of Reinhold Niebuhr. Reinhold Niebuhr was at the top of his career in the early to mid 20th century, in the early 1900s to the 1950s. 
he was incredibly popular right here in the United States, and his influence still looms large. In his books and in his thinking, he says that people are good when they're alone or when they're in small groups, but when they get together in large groups, they can't be trusted. You know who didn't like Reinhold Niebuhr? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When he came over from Germany and he heard Reinhold Niebuhr, he said, mm -mm, this guy does not have it right. And other scholars like Chomsky point out that at the time, the ruling elites really liked Reinhold Niebuhr because he was basically saying, keep the public in the dark. Keep them divided. And let the more virtuous and intelligent men run things. When we look at the current situation today, and there are so many people who mistrust the government, who want to dismantle it, there's been a lot of suffering, and people have their reasons for feeling so disillusioned. But the only way to improve the situation isn't to give up on it. It's for us to be organized, to get together, to talk about things that matter, and to find common ground. When Jesus instructed Peter that he would have to go and confront the person who sinned against him and to go back multiple times if needed and to never stop respecting that person, he did this because it is supremely important that we live in fellowship, a fellowship of people together. Keep in mind, after all those steps that Jesus said, go by yourself, bring a witness, take it before the church, and if they still don't listen to you, treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? With love and respect. So we never stop loving and respecting even our enemies, even those who don't listen to reason. Because it is so important that we strive for fellowship. Psalm 119 this morning says, turn my eyes from looking at vanities and give me life in your ways. There's nothing wrong with us wanting to have a good and decent life, to have food, shelter, water, good clothing, decent transportation and health care. There is enough for everyone. The trick of the wicked is to get people as individuals for us to chase after vanities, to chase after stuff that doesn't matter. It keeps the fellowship weak and divided when as individuals we're always trying to compete with one another, to have the better things, to be more successful. But if we want a decent chance at surviving as a species, we have to find the common good that we share. We will all do better when we all do better. Romans 13.8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And Romans 13.11 says, Now is the time to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. What does this mean? It means that salvation isn't just something for after we die. It's something that could be now. It's a safe, decent world. 
what if our children could live in a better world than we live in? What if things could actually get better instead of worse? What if St. Paul is right? What if a better world is possible and even closer than we think? Jesus said in Matthew, if you bind it on earth, you bind it in heaven. If you loose it on earth, you loose it in heaven. In other words, the idea is heaven should be right here. The distinction from this world to some other worlds is negligible. We are not waiting for it to come by and by, pie in the sky. We are working for it right here and right now. What if we could have restoration to our most dear friends and relationships where there has been strain? If old rivalries could be laid to rest and if peaceful relationships could flourish once again, it is possible and it is closer than we think. Jesus told Peter, just like Grace told the pirate, that whenever two or three are gathered in my name, you will never be alone. Jesus will be with us when we have a courageous conversation. What, a, what an extraordinary thing. The actual living and breathing Jesus is among us right now. And every time that we gather with anyone in Jesus' name, and we can do that in our own hearts if we're talking to someone, we can say in our mind, I'm talking to this person in the name of Jesus. And then Jesus is there in the person we're talking to and in ourself. Not just in our heart, but in all of us, in our mind, in our flesh, in our bone. Jesus is in all of you. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our hymn of the day, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And a quick note.